What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin with Intuitive Minds Podcast. This is episode 18, featuring Maosha Davis, writer, producer. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there during these trying times. How are you handling all this? You know, just through prayer and just, you know, staying aware and supporting, you know, my people however I can, just making sure everyone's, you know, staying safe and, you know, protesting the right way. And it keeps it keeps happening every decade. You know, it doesn't seem to stop. It just happens and happens. And we gotta we gotta see some type of change. You know. But yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think we're. You know, people are at the point where they're tired. So, mm-hmm. you know, not condoning what's going on, but you know, it seems this this way seems to be getting people's attention. So, <laughs> you got to do it some way, right? Somewhere. Exactly. You know, but give us a start of uh, your beginnings and where you where you're from and what did you do before you got into the entertainment business? Oh uh, well, I uh, I grew up in Carson, California, by way of Beaumont, Texas. Um, Carson is like I want to. It's a city outside of LA, um, and yeah, from from there, I've always just had a passion for writing. I was in you know this high school newspaper. Uh, when I went to college, I went to Fresno State. I was, you know, a part of the newspaper there. So writing has always kind of been a passion for me. Um, and, you know, I didn't really take it seriously until after, you know, after college, you know, I didn't know I could really make this a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, after, after college, um, I was able to intern and that kind of started my whole journey. Perfect. Do you have any like inspiring uh, writers that you? Like? I love Maya Angelou because mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, poems were my thing. Poems. I'm a hopeless romantic, so I always mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote about you know love and you know things of that nature and short stories. So you know, Maya Angelou was a woman of color. Um, so mm-hmm. I looked up to her because you know there weren't too many you know women who looked like me in that space. You know, on that mm-hmm. level, doing that. So she was mm-hmm. definitely one of my inspirations growing up. And I'm pretty sure you have like a lot of poems that you still carry on with you that are from her, you know, that you apply into your daily life. Yeah, just that and just, you know, just daily mantras, just everything. That's that's one thing that, you know, I start my day with. I, I always start my day with positivity, whether it be reading a Bible verse or just a motivational quote like that's, you know, what gets me through every day. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have, do you plan on like writing a book at all at some point? I do. I, I eventually, when I feel like I've reached, you know, the level of what I feel is success, I do plan on writing a book. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some other inspirations like besides Maya Angelou, like music wise, movie wise, that, that, like you still carry on? I love, I, I love Quentin Tarantino. Mm. Uh, I, he's actually from Carson too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot uh, he is from yeah. there. Yeah, but I just, I love his eye. I just love the way he directs things. I love his sick, twisted, mm-hmm. you know, sense of humor. Uh, Steven Spielberg, love what he did. Um, and uh, Angela Bassett, she was one of my favorite actresses as well. Just seeing how she just embodies like every role. And, you know, I feel like she was slighted for the Oscar for What's Love Got to Do mm-hmm. With It. She definitely should have want it from that and music wise I'm I'm all over the place you know I, I listened to everything growing up so I can't pinpoint one specific person because I, I listen from everything to like rock hip-hop soul reggae so it's it's a combination of just Whichever everything sounds good mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> whatever mood I'm in <laughs> and then uh to 
fast forward a little bit now. You started with Hollywood Scoop, correct, as a journalist? That is correct. Yes, I, I was actually, I started as an intern um, mm -hmm. with Wendy Wheaton there. Um, and she was one of the dopest bosses. You know, usually people have to get coffee or, you know, grab food. She immediately threw me out on my first assignment, um, mm -hmm. which was covering the red carpet for the BET Awards. And I was super nervous, but yeah. I, I learned quickly. So I guess she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. And then from there, it just, you know, kind of took off from there. Then I'm pretty sure that night must have been like nerve wracking from the start to the end. And oh, any... I wouldn't I wouldn't say nerve wracking, more like a nervousness because it was, you know, it was new territory. And mm -hmm. then I was a lot younger than everybody who was on, you know, the press row. So it was kind of intimidating. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I got through like my first two interviews, I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> mm -hmm. what, yeah. what, what did you what did you learn working with Hollywood Scoop? Just being punctual. Uh, she was very strict on being on time and actually being on time, you're late. So yeah. you need to be there like 15 minutes before. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, she she went off on me a couple of times. I had to learn the hard way of being kind of late to things. And then one thing that she really taught me, too, is, you know, as long as you, you know, show up and look the part, you'll get in, you, you'll kill it anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. So you have mm -hmm. to have that confidence and dress for that, you know, atmosphere as well. For sure, because for me, like as a photographer and music producer and actor, uh, I've always, for some reason, I like to be at places that I'm supposed to be an hour early. And right. I feel out of place because I'm like one of the three people there. And right. as a photographer, sometimes that's kind of like, uh, what am I doing here? It's only the crew here. Like, I just mm -hmm. sometimes I feel out of place. But then at the same time, you kind of get a feel for what is happening before anybody else coming in so you kind of know where exactly. to face yourself you kind of know how to you know what i mean because you're meeting everyone one by one as they walk in so i feel right. like that was part of the reason why i stopped getting nervous because i used to go in like the very end i'm like okay i'm just a photographer let me go when everybody's there but mm -hmm. when in earlier it kind of made me feel like I'm probably going to be the one to meet everyone first. So Right. And you get to put yourself in a good position to get the mm -hmm. best shots as well. So, yeah, mm -hmm. er early is always the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you're not awkward, like, coming up to me, can I get a photo of, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, hey. Uh, right. They already see you there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's crazy. And then you went from uh, Hollywood Scoop to All Hip Hop. What was that experience yeah. like? So, actually, the way I, I was connected through All Hip Hop was through Wendy, uh, me being on the red carpet, uh, they were one of the outlets that was next to uh, her outlet on the carpet. Mm -hmm. So that that's one thing about this business. It's it's networking. A lot of the gigs I've gotten or relationships I made were through networking at events or parties. Um, so with that being said, uh, I met uh, a woman by the name of Octavia Bostic, and mm -hmm. she worked for All Hip Hop at the time. And, you know, I told her what I was doing or what I was aspiring to be. And she kind of just took me under her wing and, you know, showed me the ropes. And I eventually was hired as the West Coast contributor for All Hip Hop. Mm. How many years did you work with them? Ooh, how many years was I there? I want to say I was there for three years. Wow, okay. Because they, yeah. they, they had like a prime. I remember they had like a certain prime. Yeah, and I, I was lucky. I was I was there right at their prime. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, it was okay. perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing, yeah. That must have been yeah. overwhelming too with like lots of work and lots of like. It was, but it was it was fun too. Like uh, Chuck Creekmore, shout out to him. He's mm -hmm. actually uh, the owner. Um, and, you know, he 
you know, he believed in me as well and allowed me, you know, to, you know, create the stories I wanted to create or interview the people who I felt were, you know, instrumental to the culture as well. So Mm -hmm. he was a super dope boss. So, you know, he had me on not even just, you know, photo shoots or video shoots. I actually got to interview like the artists, like in their element. So that was just amazing to see that as well and experience Mm -hmm. that. So. Yeah, shout out to Chuck. <laughs> like you said, like number one thing is networking. You have to go to these events. You have to, right. you just have to attend every single thing that comes your way. You cannot pass, especially if you're coming up and you're trying to learn the ropes exactly. of a business Exactly. And, and, and yes. being a woman as well can be a little tricky too, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, how was how how that like, what, what are some of the challenges Well, some of the challenges that I've had is, you know, automatically you can just be at a gas station and a man will try to approach you. But in the Mm -hmm. industry, it's kind of different. So I always made sure I carried myself a certain way. Like I never dressed, you know, too revealing, was always covered up because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's still business and you want to be taken seriously. And there were times where some men, you know, they would make it seem like they wanted to, you know, be on business and then it would kind of go left and I would immediately check them like look if, if we're not trying to network or build like we have nothing to talk about I'm not going mm-hmm. on a date with you so that's like <laughs> that's out of the picture mm-hmm. so definitely being professional at all times and setting those boundaries is one thing that you know as women it, it's it's crazy in this industry but you have to do that you have to put your foot down and let them know you mean business because when you think you have an opportunity and then boom, they, they come out and you just start flirting and, and it just right. throws a big major opportunity out of the window that, you know, you could have been set for a while and now you have to go backwards and it's kind of like, okay. Right. But my theory is, is whatever's for me is for me. Mm-hmm. And if I have to flirt or go on a date, that means it's not for me anyways. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, I just look at things differently. Like if I have to go certain routes to get it, it's not for me. And I always want, you know, that credibility where it's like, you know, she got here on her own. She didn't, you know, date so-and-so or she mm-hmm. didn't sleep with so-and-so. I, I don't ever want anyone to be able to say she's there because of me or she did that. So that was something that I prided myself on in my career as well. Like I, I grinded to get to every level I was on. My work ethic spoke for itself mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> Especially in front of people that have money because money is a, is a major, major factor, you know, you right. see with these people that like big executive producers and like you know they do all these like illegal things with women and then 10 years oh, later yeah. they're exposed because they were hiding it behind money so you know right you know when i don't know if you watched the the epstein documentary i did i i watched it friday and it, it's you know it's just crazy what you can get away with money but it's been going on for so long mm-hmm. and i just feel like we're just in the the season of revealing. So everything that's not righteous, it's going to be revealed soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see what's going on now with, you know, mm-hmm. the riots, you know, you, you can only do wrong for so long before people just get tired, you uh, know? So yeah. everyone's speaking out and I, I'm just glad we're in the state of, you know, people not being afraid to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we, now that we have a social media platform too, we can even be louder. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh and I, yeah. And I feel like I feel like all of these prote- protests were somewhat extra stemmed from social media. You know what I mean? People pushing right. one another and then posting, and it's like, like if they're doing it, I'm gonna go tomorrow. 
Because I mean, this has been exactly. going on for three days now, you know, four days. So right, yeah. I just got a DM from someone like, "Hey, we're meeting on Sunset today at you know mm-hmm. twelve o'clock." So it, mm-hmm. it's it's an you know organization going on where it's okay. Every day we're going to meet at a different spot. So it's it's definitely social media is pushing pushing that that right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, from uh, all hip hop, you moved on. You transitioned to magazine world. How, what was that? like the dope magazine. I I love that. That honestly, that was my favorite like job ever just being able to be creative um through working from all that's why I said like every every level I was on opened the doors for new opportunities. So mm-hmm. for me working at all hip hop, I had a little buzz going from that and the owner of Dope Magazine um actually reached out to me to do an interview um for Angela Simmons. Nice. Um and and I was like, "Sure, yeah." Um and I suggested, I was like, well, you know, maybe we should turn this into a whole, you know, photo shoot. So I called my friend who was a hairstylist, called another friend who was a makeup artist, called another friend who was a photographer. And I set up this whole shoot. And in the midst of all that was interviewing her. And he was like, "Uh, how tight are you to all hip hop? Uh, Because I want you on my team. And I was like, well, you know, it's, you know, I'm freelancing here, here and there. So I ended up being hired as the creative director for Dope Magazine. And I was able to work with Big Sean, Meek Mill, Tyga, mm-hmm. uh, Kiki Palmer. And the, the greatest thing about that is I got all these artists before they kind of blew up on the mainstream. So uh, I, I like to think of myself as, you know, being able to spot talent, especially with Tyga. Um mm-hmm. I did his photo shoot, um, and then literally weeks later, Rack City came out, and he blew up. Yeah. And, and whenever he sees me, he always says, like, you know, I'll never forget you gave me my first magazine cover. So that that's something that I just, you know, hold with me from working there, just being able to spot talent before it kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. So that that just... That was one of my favorite gigs. I'm not gonna lie. What are, what are some of your favorite? Is that like your favorite moment as well? They working with them, or what yes, are some? Yes, it, it was just the being allowed to be creative. It, it's nothing like that. Just you know, and the artists, you know, trusting me with their image as well, and allowing me to be, you know, totally creative. It just it's something about having that power, and it's just I can't describe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's it's a it's a high, a natural high, and I just I love that feeling of being you know being in charge and you know telling other people what to do yeah 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 because i used to be creative director for a cliche magazine oh nice okay so that was like and but the thing is the ceo the owner of the mag the owner of the magazine didn't know much about the magazine like he just bought it he just wanted to have some type of yeah he just bought it and he was like hey so uh i'm gonna make you creative director i'm like i don't have any uh degree or anything on this but i mean you know whatever let me take the shot at him being creative director of the magazine and that's how i learned how to pitch you know hey my name is so and so would you love would love to have you on the cliche magazine and so i got to meet like parker mckenna i got like cat tat who owns a tattoo so i got to work with like all these like you said it's a high it's a right complete high and especially when you are the creative director of that shoot that day, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And then back then when I was doing it, you know, it was, there were big budgets. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) So mm -hmm. that made it even better. And back then, you know, the labels, it wasn't like how it is now where, you know, people are blowing up in social media. The labels were a lot more involved back then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the checks were very nice. So that, (laughs) that was just, 
the icing on the cake for, you know, being paid to do what you love. You know, it's nothing like that. So that's what I told myself. I have to figure out a way to make this consistent because if I can do this in three hours, like imagine what I can do making this a a lifetime career, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was the driving force behind a lot. It's yeah. And especially, especially on sets, especially on sets, it's like, it's a high. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know. And, and seeing how it's it's done, it's like, you know, you see it one way on TV, but actually being behind mm-hmm. the scenes and seeing the magic of everything coming together, it's just like, oh my gosh, I want to do this every day forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even when you watch stuff on TV, it's kind of like... For me, for example, like I used to, uh, I used to go to film school. So even when I watch certain things, I watch from a director point of view, like that continuity was bad or that, you know, right? Or the lighting, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at the lighting, like okay, the lighting is darker to, you know, set the tone and set the mood. So like you said, now, now that I'm on the other side of it, I watch things from a different eye. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's tough to 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 to, when you watch it with people. It's tough to mm-hmm. like explain it to them and like, right. Do not see that. Right. You see what? Like, look at that. Like, he was right. not. <laughs> he was not in character. What do you mean? Right. Out of it. Like, look at. Him. Like, no. Nah, okay. There's no point of arguing with you. But right. But then you sound like that smart guy. That like that smart ass. Like, oh, he knows everything. He knows everything. Right. Right, or they start asking you things like you were the one who directed. Like, okay, so what's this? I'm okay. I didn't direct mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. I didn't write this. <laughs> like, <I'm> relax. <laughs> <laughs> so, what so, are some? Yeah. What are some of like trials and tribulations that come with like being on set? Uh, well, it depends. If you're on a, a, you know, a production that's ran, you know, the proper way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or a production that's not one thing. Um, there was a production that I worked on, and one of uh, some of the talent was acting kind of diva ish. Yeah. Um. So you know, dealing with those personalities, you know, trying to you know please the talent on set, um, that can be challenging at time. Or then you know if they're kind of running late, that that messes up like the whole production schedule, mm-hmm. and especially you know with people that are in the union, they can only work certain hours so you know when people say time is money it's it's literally time is money when you're on a production so um definitely had a situation where that was the issue talent showed up late um and then we ended up shooting like six hours over the time but you know in the moment i was upset but seeing the finished product it was worth it so you know it's it's that's one side of it, but you know, once once you're in it, you know, you're complaining. But once you hear that, you know, that's a wrap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you're like, okay, we 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 created something great. So that that's one thing of production. Just you know, the long hours of waiting, and then you know, when you shoot at one location, you have to pack up and move to a whole different location, mm-hmm. and then you know, mm-hmm. the lighting has to be set up. You know, just just the in between of that. A lot of people don't yeah. know you know, that's a part of it as well. Waiting, you know, moving from set to set or location to location. Uh, that's another thing as well that goes in with it. That can be, you know, can be irritating at times. Yeah, especially <laughs> with actors that are in the union because after they reach a 12-hour mark, right, they, their rate becomes an hourly rate. It doesn't become a day rate anymore. That you know? part. So, yeah, and that, you know, you go over budget or 
if you you know your if your budget is exactly for whatever and then you end mm-hmm. up going over you know issues with that and just having a good ad too like yeah, I, I, I feel like the ad is like the nucleus of the set like mm-hmm. you have a great ad everything will run smoothly mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't then it's gonna be hell <laughs> yeah because i have this friend of mine billy peck he's been on sets like from gotham to like it but he's always been like in the background like you know the stand-in and the right but half the time he's getting paid just to sit there so when he reaches after that 12 hour mark reaches and he's still there he comes home with like a couple grand exactly it's you know it's 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 a benefit for him because he didn't really do much all day but it's a it's kind of shitty for the people that actually did work 16 hour shifts and you know and so what are some of your favorite sets you've been on like movie wise film wise uh, I actually was able to be on set with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey uh, for Dark Tower. <laughs> How was that? And, oh my gosh. It was so like, oh my gosh. So um, I actually used to work as his nanny. <laughs> Fun fact. Really? <laughs> Idris Elba. Yeah. When I tell you I've had, I've had literally every job you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so a friend of mine, uh, worked with him and he knew what I was trying to do when I was kind of leaving the, you know, PR world and trying to transition into TV and film. And he's like, okay, like we're going to start you here and then we'll work your way in from that. So whenever, you know, he was in LA, I would, uh, watch his daughter. Um, and then, so eventually I'm like, okay, well, if he trusts me to watch his daughter, then he should trust you know, me to work with me. Yeah. So um, one day I got a call to come on set. Uh, they filmed uh, at Cross Street from Paramount. I think it was, it was Siren Studios. Um, and yeah, I was I was on set like at his trailer. And then I saw like Matthew McConaughey walk by. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like in my head, you know, of course I'm acting like. Right, you know, professional, so- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. And then um, I just started talking to one of the security guards and he's like, oh, he's like, you want to come on set? And I was like, "Uh, sure. (laughs) So he walked me through like the whole set. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie, but it's like a scene where it looks like they're like in the middle of like a big like wooded area. They literally, they built that whole, like they flew in trees from Africa, like dirt, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was just in awe that they actually flew all the stuff in and like built it in set. Um, and then when I walked in, he was filming the, a, a gun scene where he's shooting a gun, but it's all green screen. So you just see him like shooting at a green screen. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this will be me really soon. So that, that was just, you know, a motivation for me to know that, you know, nothing is a coincidence. So I know I was there for a reason to see that because, you know, I see myself being there in the next, you know two years got willing. So, mm. so yeah, just, just being there and seeing like real actors in their element, it was so cool. And then I met the mm. director and he was just so cool. So they took me to like the other side where they were filming. So I was able to see them film like a, a real movie, like there. So mm-hmm. I was just like, Oh my gosh, like I, I have to make this permanent, you know? So that, that was my inspiration to go ahead and take that leap and leave PR and just go, go full steam with you know what i'm doing now do you ever think of like directing your own movie at some point like being behind the chair well yeah actually um on a production that i worked on i was actually i was hired to be uh the publicist the unit publicist ironically Mm. um one of my business partners it was a, a project he was working on and he he's been like the main force pushing me to just take that leap and go 
full steam into like writing, producing and directing. And he um, one day I came on set and he was like, oh, you're directing this scene. And I said, I'm doing what? And he was like, you're directing the scene. I was like, no, 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 I'm not. He said, yes, you are. He left me there <laughs> with the DP and everybody. And I was so nervous. And, it, you know, that was my first time. So everybody's like looking at me, you know, to get <laughs> yep. and I was like, oh, oh, I'm in charge. Oh, okay. You forget. And, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was funny. It was a sex scene because my partner hates directing sex scenes. So he throws mm. me on that. I don't know why, but. I don't know. So it was a sex scene. And, uh, you know, the guy was kind of nervous with doing the nudity. So, you know, I talked him into it and he's like, you know what, for you, I'll do it. So, you know, I, I got behind the screen, guilt, you know, action. And it was it was amazing. And after that, I said, you know what? This is what I this is what I want to do now. I want to do this. I want more of this because the same way I felt, you know, directing photo shoots, it was a totally different power you know being in that director's chair telling everybody what to do on set but everyone looking to you for direction you know so mm -hmm. it was a power trip <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, and, it's, and it's I definitely like, a power trip yeah it was like oh oh they're waiting for me to say cut you know i was like oh cut okay <laughs> yeah. so you know my first time it was it was nerve-wracking but after i did it i wanted more of it and i wanted to be around it more um, so yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at now. Um, I actually acquired a distribution deal from Shorts International to shoot my directorial debut, a short film. Um, it's going to be called In Slow Drive. It's going to be loosely based on my life. So that's, that's my first major project nice. now. So I'm excited about that. I wanted to, you know, start shooting this summer, but, you know, we'll see what goes on with the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so this will be my directorial debut. So I'm excited about that. And it seems like every single position you've been put in, you you come out in the end. It's like, I enjoy doing that. That was yeah. cool. Man. Yeah. I, I just love learning because I just feel like you can never know too much. So I just, I love soaking things in. I love sitting back and watching. And I was just, I'm, been blessed to be able to be, you know, in, in the right circles and around the right people who actually believed in me enough to, you know, allow me to shadow them. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. It all, it takes that one person to believe and say, Hey, I want you to direct this. And it's like, exactly. uh, yeah. And being, especially being a, a sex scene, that must've been like, Whoa, it's my first director review. It's a sex scene. What the fuck <laughs> am I supposed to do in this? <laughs> yeah. Like, but with those, it's a closed set. So mm -hmm. literally, it's just you, the actors, the DP, the sound, and the lighting. It's yeah. no no one else is on set. So it was it was more intimate too. So yeah, it was it was crazy, but I it was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> especially being in your yeah your first directorial, especially that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. So yeah, so now like when we collaborate writing things, he always has me write like the sex scenes now. So I'm like, I don't know. He's just to him, he, he just feels like he can't write from a from that perspective. So mm -hmm. yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing that he chooses a woman for that. Right, because we're we're I think we're more passionate. I think men are more aggressive. Mm -hmm. So it, it was more to me. I looked at it more of an artistic point mm -hmm. of view, like with the lighting. Like I had it lit, like with red lights. You know, just to set the tone. <laughs> to set the tone, yep, yep, the vibes. The vibes. Yeah. yeah, yes, the vibes, all the vibes. So That's yeah, crazy. and then uh, you moved on with the to work with King Pictures. What was that experience? Yeah, Stories King Pictures. Uh, yeah, that that's where I 
you know, God bless Anki Syriac. That that was my mentor on the film side. So he saved me a ton of money from going to film school um, mm-hmm. and took me under his wing, uh, had me on, you know, various movie sets. He worked on uh, The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Um, and uh, I was able to meet uh, William Hertz on that set. Um, and we continued to build. And he actually has been like my coach with, you know, writing scripts and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, through there, I, you know, started as an assistant and then, you know, moved up to a producer um, and was just able to just, you know, network and just be be on sets and be, you know, in the midst of everything and even just built with the actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Through that, I was able to build with, uh, I don't know if you watch Power. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Joseph Sakura plays yep. Tommy. Tommy, yep. Yeah. So, we actually shot uh, a pilot with him. Um, and I was able to build with him, you know, just from being on set with him. So it's like I said, it, it all stems back to networking. It's, you know, it's who you know and who knows you in this mm-hmm. business. That's what I tell everyone. So now, you know, moving forward, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to, you know, reach out to him to be a part of my project because he's seen my work ethic in the past, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was great being, you know, a part of that team and I'm still affiliated with them as well. They're one of my, my partners. Um, in this film journey. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, man. Building relationships is the number one thing in this industry. You cannot, definitely. you cannot go without it. It's, you try to, I know a lot of people that try to do it alone and it's like, they're dragging their feet and it's, right. Don't drag your feet. Continue to build that feet. Cause I feel like they're nervous to ask somebody that's a little bit higher than them. Right. Afraid to be like, Hey, I want to partner with you in doing this. But um, because they don't see the value in themselves, which is which is tough, you know, and and then uh, learning all this experience, then you you doing all this writing and all this production, you decide to have your own uh, agency, the affluent agency. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, once I left um, Dope Magazine, um, I was like, you know, because I I built so much into that magazine, people thought I owned it. (laughs) And that's how I am. Whenever, if, if I'm in, I'm all in. I put 110%. So I was so invested in that magazine. Um, everyone, you know, thought I owned it. So I was like, you know what? I can I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, you know, kind of pushed me to start the Affluent Agency. And um, I started out with uh, my first clients were friends. Uh, a lot of the guys I went to college with ended up going pro. Okay. Um, and yeah, so they were my first clients and, you know, from, from them, I kind of, you know, took what I learned from, you know, dope magazine, all hip hop and the Hollywood scoop, just having the relationships with the media and the press and, you know, started getting them press and getting them, you know, into certain events. And once their teammates or other people saw, you know, how I worked well with them, it just kind of took off from there. And I was able to work with Deshaun Jackson, Lance Stevenson, Marshawn Lynch. So yeah, it was. I had a I had a good run <laughs> with the affluent agency. How long was the the, the agency? How long did the run for? Oh, uh, we're we're still open. I don't I don't run the day to day anymore. I have you know uh-huh. a team that runs that for me now. But yeah, we're 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 still rolling. Okay. But I, I kind of took my focus off of handling the day to day. Um, and, you know, focusing on, you know, a new journey now. But I eventually do want to, you know, branch off and make that a, a production company as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
got to be diverse in this industry. That's that's number oh, one. Oh yeah, you, you, you have, have to be jack of all trades. <laughs> you have to be, you know, you have to be. So now, being a writer and you know producer, what are some like? Because everybody has writer's block, and you know, how do you mm-hmm. overcome all that? The old writer's block. Sometimes. Uh, I I like to write in different sceneries, atmosphere. So, you know, you know, you can only be in an office for so long, but I find that I write the best when I'm by water. So I'll go to the beach and, you know, write. It's just something about the water that's calming and peaceful. But those days where I do have writer's block, I do watch, you know, other movies or television shows to get, you know, some inspiration. And then, you know, from there, I'll go back and, and get to it. So that that's my cure for writer's block. Me personally, I just, mm-hmm. you know, look at other creators for inspiration and then you know when it clicks it just clicks i mean that's a lot of people need to do that they don't they need to find their own like creative space and where need to go for me it's weird because for me i don't know why i was i was watching the um the, the documentary with dr dre and uh jimmy Iovine. i forgot what it's called mm-hmm. uh, and jimmy Iovine closed most of his business deals most of his major deals in the bathroom Oh, really? <laughs> he spends days and days and days in the bathroom. And I'm like, what? So then I was like, let me try that. Let me let me sit in the bathroom and let me try to write email, emails. And I got I, I got stuck in the bathroom for like an hour and a half just writing emails because <laughs> nobody bugs you in the bathroom. It's like, wow, I have to try own. that. It's, and it's like you have the fan on just because you don't want to hear anything around you. But Hearing that story from Jimmy Iovine, he he actually spent like two, three days in the bathroom. Like the, his wife. Would so, like, was he sitting on the toilet, or was he? He was sitting, yeah, probably sitting on the toilet, sleeping in the bathtub. Like, was, I think he was acquiring a. I think that's how he acquired uh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, oh, dope! Oh, wow! I think that's how he acquired Nine Inch Nails. I think he was trying to look. And then when he met the owner of Nine Inch Nails, he was like, "Well, I want to do my own thing because I'm not just an artist." And then I think he, a lot of major deals he closed in the bathroom that you would be, you'd be surprised. I'm like, what? Like you closed that deal in the bathroom? Uh, I have to try that. Well, I guess it is peaceful in there, you know. Nobody bugs you. <laughs> Nobody really bugs you. And I tried it enough for an hour and a half. I was just stuck writing emails. I was like, what the, I've been in the bathroom for a minute now. I got to get out of here. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, everybody has their weird space and creativity to you know get out of that block you know so right yeah but i just say like out- outdoors for me is just it's the best for me because even like right now like i was writing earlier and i'm just like okay i need to go outside and get some fresh air <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially being so, cooped up for so long being yes so long, it's, yes it's, it's, definitely do you have anything else that you would like to share with the world that they don't already know about you Uh, I would just say that, you know, I just feel like my purpose is to just, you know, share stories, you know, that show people of color in a positive light. I just want to be a part of that inclusion conversation because I feel like, you know, women of color, you know, we're, we're, you know, making some noise in the industry right now, but not as much as as we should. So I want to be that that new voice to give perspective on, you know, my like my testimony, my life journey that I feel like can inspire. And the youth is very close to my heart. I, I mentor a lot of teenagers um, because I feel like I'm, I'm young enough to relate to them, but old enough that they respect me. And really that's, that's who I feel like is the next generation. So we should be, you know, 
pushing them forward as well. So I just want to be known for just, you know, my work and telling my stories. And I just plan on inspiring people through my, my stories and my testimony. Now, do you have any advice you'd like to give to people that are trying to make it like you did? I would say just trust your instinct and do not take no for an answer, no matter what. Some, someone is going to say yes, and you can, you can never stop no matter you know, what obstacles you have, no matter what doors are shut. Just as long as you have something that the world needs, doors will be open and, you know, ways will be made for that voice or your talent to be heard. I'm a firm believer in that. The, I feel like the, the universe, God, whatever people believe in, all things work together for the good. So whatever your life purpose is, I feel before you're taking off of this planet, yep. you'll inspire somebody and the world will see your works. That I'm a firm mm -hmm. believer in that. Make sure, and you got to remember, it's a small industry. Everybody knows everybody. So if one person that. said no, the other person said yes, the person that said no is going to realize, okay. Right, or the person, or your yes is probably not even in the position yet. So you just have to keep, you know, keep working, keep doing what you're doing. And mm -hmm. everything aligns when it's the perfect timing. Perfect timing, yep. Now, towards the end of the podcast, I do these 10 questions that I got from James Lipton, the host of okay. the Actor Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, the first question is, what is your favorite word? <sighs> Manifest. What is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> mm -hmm. What turns you on? Success. What turns you off? Lazy people. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, direct deposit notices. <laughs> <laughs> You're the fourth person that said that. <laughs> You're the fourth. <laughs> but it's a cash app, the, the sound of cash app. Like that, that little thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? A sirens. What is your favorite curse word? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, psychiatry. What profession would you not like to do? Police officer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the least one right now. Yeah. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Job well done, my child. Uh, any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the socials? Uh, shout out to Elton for making this happen yes, for me. Yes. Um, and just, you know, I just, just want everybody to, you know, no matter what climate the world is now, just continue to inspire and continue to move with love and peace. All right, guys. This was episode 18 featuring Maosha Davis. Peace. Thank you.